should I get a SIP or a SAS pension? So that's the question I'll be asking Kevin Whelan, founder of Wealth Builders, with me today. Hi, Kevin. Hello there, George. Good to see you again. Good to see you too. Hi, everyone. I'm George Joy, and welcome to the Sarah and George Joy Property Podcast, the show that helps you become financially free so you can spend time with your family, traveling, and pursuing your passions. So, Kevin, um, welcome today. Um, Mm -hmm. It's a question that comes up a lot when people discover that it's possible to invest in property using their pension. Yeah. They hear that you can do it through a SIP in the SAS, but they don't really know what it is. You know, they've, they've, got a, they've got an occupational pension from their, from their full-time job. And they're thinking, wow, if I could use that to buy property, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess, I guess the first thing is, you know, what, what is a SIP? Yeah, well, I think the, the thing to say about um, both of these vehicles is to recognize they're just names of vehicles in the same way as you would buy a, a Ford or a Jaguar. They're just names of vehicles. Okay. Mm-hmm. And the functionality of the vehicle is different, but it's important to recognize that there's no one right vehicle for everyone. In some situations, you know, a SIP would be a great fit. In some, a SAS would be a good fit. In others, you leave your money in your occupational pension, as you described it. Mm. So there is no right solution. However, uh, you and I kind of both involved in the wealth building business, me as founder of wealth builders and, and you and Sarah as active as you are in yours. And just as the way you introduced the podcast there, you know, it's talking about financial well-being and helping people to create independence. Mm. And what's really interesting about the theory of that is you cannot create wealth without using leverage. Yeah. And and I don't just mean financial leverage in terms of debt, but leverage is the key to building wealth because you accelerate the return of things. So the discussion really is probably best served by talking about the fact that for many people who love property, and I understand why that's a great asset, I understand why it's the easiest asset to replicate. You can see the direct link between the ownership of the asset and the rental income flow Mm -hmm. um, or capital flow if you're flipping or doing other alternative strategies. But the, uh, the key thing, though, is it's just money. So it's just a part of an overall wealth building plan. So property is a way to hold an asset and a pension is a way to hold an asset. But the assets are normally restricted and they're restricted because of tax relief. So all pensions, SIP, SASs and conventional pensions qualify for some tax gains, which makes them kind of awkward vehicles, kind of clunky vehicles, really. And um, so they qualify for tax relief on contributions. Any growth inside the fund is tax-free. And the legacy for the next generation is inheritance tax-free. So there's some great tax benefits. Now, all pensions get tax benefits. Mm -hmm. The key difference is where can the vehicle be taken? And that determined by the name of the trustee. So if you've got a conventional pension like your company, then the trustee is the company. So they choose the investment. If you've got a SIP, you've got some degree of control over the investment. Mm -hmm. And if you've got a SAS, you've got an almost unfettered degree Mm -hmm. of control over the investment. So they're just degrees of control. And the essence of control is you can't have complete control without responsibility and the responsibilities then on the person who's thinking about which vehicle to have 
is to the degree of involvement they want to take. Uh, do they want to sit in the front seat? Mm-hmm. Do they want to sit in the passenger seat? Or do they want to sit in the back and they don't care about where they're going at all? They're paying no attention to at all. Yeah. And, and that's the real essence. And, um, you know, I can explain and get into the details to, be, to sort of be more factually and technically accurate. But um, for property people, the real challenge is, you know, conventional pensions don't go anywhere near mm. property at all. Yeah. You could own a property fund, but that's it. And generally speaking, um, you know, in, in Wealth Builders, we talk about what we call the, the four Ds. You know, if we identify people with four different types. George, I'm sure you resonate with this. We have the drifters who just simply sit in the back seat. They don't care where they're going. And, and, and in the end, they'll end up nowhere yeah. and lost. You know, I'm not financially free. I've got no control. The DIYers who think everything is about cost. So they'll do anything to save cost. And that's not a good way to build wealth. It's a good way to save money, but it's not a good way to build wealth because you can't yeah. save your way to wealth. You yeah. expand your way to wealth. Mm-hmm. The delegators who say, well, I, I don't know enough, so I'll put it in the hands of somebody else. Uh, the industry and advisor or whatever, and the dynamics, those who are willing to take control and say, my wealth is my responsibility and I need to be a participant. Uh, if I use another analogy, you know, I'm on the pitch. Yeah. I'm part of the team and I'm playing the game full on mm. to get an outcome. I'm not a spectator. So, yeah. you know, so the, the, so if we keep it to sip and sass, a sip is really a vehicle that can take you in two directions and two only, and the SAS can take you on any direction you want to go. And, and I'm sure with the skill of your questions, we can start to. <laughs> Sounds good. Uh, I also just wanted to tell people that Evan, um, Kevin's got a, an ebook, What Every Property Owner Should Know About SAS, and I'll, I'll include a link in the show notes so you can download that. Oh, thanks, George. Yeah, I, mean, we've, I think it's aimed at property people, and uh, we recognize the uniqueness of property people. We love working with property people. Mm. And what's been brilliant about, um, I suppose, the property journey as far as the linked pension is um, the fact that, you know, the SAS, the small self-administered scheme, what an awkward marketing title that is, George. I mean, who would it be <laughs> that? Name, no, no marketing prizes for SaaS, right? You don't get prizes for that. But you have to be a limited company owner to have one. There's an eligibility test. Yeah. So because more and more people in property have become incorporated, they've set up a limited company in recent years. It means more of them are discovering the joy of what a SaaS can do to help them on their property journey. Mm. So... Um, before, decades ago, that didn't happen. You know, people built their buy-to-let portfolios and they didn't really set up limited companies or rarely. And as a result, SAS never reared its head. So people only really heard about SIP. So let's discuss the difference between SIP and SAS. And that's the question I get asked more than anything else. And the old pound in the pocket, if I was asked that, you know, is every day, which is why, you know, we've also um, created materials on this. But anyway... A SIP then, we know it's a pension, and all pensions are trusts. Mm-hmm. A trust is a way to hold things tax-free. Mm-hmm. Okay, now we've got the basics. So every trust must have a trustee. And a trustee is the legal owner and responsible for 
any activities that go on inside that trust. Mm -hmm. So in a SIP, the trustee is the big insurance company or the big administrator. Uh, so the SIP trustee then creates the trust. It's called a master trust. They create it. And then they lend it to you off the shelf and say, you can borrow our trust. And our trust does these things. Mm -hmm. Do you want to borrow it or do you want to lease it, essentially? So it's like a hire car. So you're hiring somebody else's trust. Mm -hmm. Right. So the question is, well, where do you want to go? Well, if you want to go just in the stock market journey, so two journeys, right, almost like a train track, track yeah. one, track two. Track one, well, in my company pension, I've only got a limited range of funds. I like funds, mm -hmm. and I want to have a wider range of funds. I want to be able to buy different types of funds, tracker funds, ETFs. I want to keep my costs down. Whatever you want to do, SIP will allow you to do that. So it's much more about the control and the direction of where you invest in the stock market. You can buy direct shares. You want to buy Apple, you buy Apple. You want to buy Zoom, buy Zoom. You can do what you want. <laughs> so that's really what a SIP does. Mm -hmm. The second track, but not all SIPs do this. You have to look at the rules of the trustee. We'll say, well, in this SIP, a more slightly more sophisticated SIP, but still somebody else's trust, you can do the stock market thing, but also we'll let you buy commercial property. Mm. And what, so what, what, what would be classed, just so people have an idea, what would, what would be eligible as commercial property? Okay, so it's a good question. So the first and most obvious one that most SIP owners have is the property in which they're trading. Mm -hmm. You know, so the widget manufacturer buys the factory. Yep. The, the accountant buys his office. Um, and it's the most common form of investment. It's a straightforward commercial premises to occupy a trade. Mm -hmm. Okay. Shop, a restaurant, a factory, um, an industrial unit. That's pretty much it. Yeah. And that's the track. Mm -hmm. um, because a SIP, you see, is regulated. Uh, the trustees are regulated by the FCA, Financial Conduct Authority. And everything about the Financial Conduct Authority is about minimizing risk. Yeah. Uh, that doesn't mean it's a bad thing to help people minimize risk. But you see, there are lots of things in wealth building, in life in general, that are not regulated because the people who are investing in those things are investing in their education. They're getting more involved. They're taking more of an active role. And we can think of one or two of those pretty much easy. One of those is different types of property mm -hmm. and businesses. Yep. You know, I'm a business owner. You're a business owner. It's not regulated by the FCA. Mm -hmm. You and I own property. That's not regulated by the FCA. So the FCA regulate what we call retail investors. Yeah. People who kind of want to sit on the sidelines mm -hmm. and maybe dabble a bit or maybe get involved a bit. Yeah. Now, a SAS then is completely different. The SAS is not restricted now. Um, and this is in theory, okay? So in general terms, I don't want to get too technically correct yeah. for fear of boring people. But uh, in general terms, the SAS trustee is you. Mm -hmm. So you have to apply to be eligible, a bit like getting a driving license. Mm -hmm. So you apply, and the arbiter of this is HMRC. Yeah. 
So in Majesty's Revenue and Customs. So you apply to them, and there's a process of doing it. It's not difficult. Mm -hmm. And then they give you a stamp of approval to say, yes, we believe you're a fit and proper person. You've been running your business. It's trading. We can see you have got a plan that you want to use your money for. And we're perfectly happy that you demonstrated the credentials of someone who we'd give permission to. Approved. Mm-hmm. Now you're the trustee. Mm-hmm. Now you've got to learn a little bit about what that means, but that's different. Same as you have to educate yourself in property. But in just in terms of where you can go with property, now we're on a completely different playing field. We can buy land. We can buy all the stuff you can do in a SIP, but we can do commercial to residential property now. So we can buy something that's commercial and turn it into residential. And that's fundamentally different. You can't do that in a SIP. We can also um, lend money, some of our own money inside of our own SaaS, it's our money, uh, and, and we can collaborate with others. So we can now bring ourselves and our spouses and our business partners. And so we've got a way to bring much more money and yeah. then we can lend half of that money back to the business, which if the business does residential property, mm-hmm. you can invest in that residential property. Definitely. So there are just so many different ways that opens up the door yeah. to facilitate the purchase of residential property or commercial property or commercial to residential property and a whole nuance that we could touch on as we get into the difference between different types of residential property, and I'll touch on that next, if I may. Yeah. But the essence um, is... You're just, not wanted to, just wanted to point, point something out, which sure. is, you know, some people might be freaking out in terms of, I don't have, I don't have a business, uh, I don't have a company, um, you know, is, is, this, is this still for me? Um, so I just want to, I guess, give some reassurance that you could just open a limited company and have one buy to let. And, and you, you get going, you know. Yeah, I mean, you, there needs to be a genuine intent to trade, okay? So um, this is the key issue. So the longer the business has been established, then the more likely HMRC are to approve. If somebody sets up a company just to get a SaaS, they won't approve it. Yeah, if it's not doing anything. Yeah. yeah. You know, so you have to have an intention to do something. But mm-hmm. isn't that what property people do? You know, they're creating wealth, so they, they're, they've got some activity. Exactly. So once you get into the the kind of nitty gritty of all of this, if I can use that term, um, then you're you're getting into detail, and the detail that revolves around this is so. Um, what other types of property could a SaaS, not a SIP, help you buy? Well, one of those is something called exempt residential property. So there are two types of property, in fact. Um, Property that is taxable, so you can't own it inside your SaaS at all. You can't put a buy-to-let in a SaaS because residential. You can't own it. It can't physically take ownership and have it as it's an asset. As an asset, yeah. You can't have an HMO. Mm. A lot of people think because you can get a commercial mortgage, mm. it's a commercial property. It isn't. Yeah. If people live in it, um, in the conventional sense of you know shared accommodation, shared living, co-living, can't do it. Mm. However... There are lots of different property strategies, as we know, and and some of those you can own in a SaaS. Mm -hmm. So you could buy student hall or residence. You could buy a care home. You could buy a guest house. 
Um, as long as it's not a and b and you live in it. Yeah. You could buy property that is specifically earmarked for supported living, uh, you know, where the, the benefit is societal. There's a big benefit impact-wise. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you can do those sorts of things as well. So yeah, the list yeah. is longer than I've given, mm-hmm. but what it's saying then is the pension now becomes a vehicle for you to pursue the direction that you want to go as opposed to being restricted by somebody else's choice about what they think is risky and what they don't. Yeah. And the people who make those choices in SIPs are big institutions and they're not active in actively involved. If you said, you know, I'm thinking about doing, uh, um, you know, service accommodation in, in South End, well, what's what service accommodation? They don't have any idea about that. I'm thinking about buying a pub and converting it into six apartments. Well, they don't do that. Mm. You know, so it's off their list. So you can't do it. Yeah. And that's the essence of the difference. Mm. So I would say SIP is a product. Somebody else tells you what to do. SAS is a business you control and you determine what you want to do. Definitely. Now, notwithstanding that, as I said earlier on, Great choice comes with responsibility, and that responsibility is to know the rules. Yeah. So yeah. just like playing in a game, I've used that analogy. If you're playing a game and whatever your sport is, football, rugby, whatever it is, you know there are rules. Mm. And you can't play a game without rules, and there are arbiters of the rules, and you have to know the rules. And, and that's where just a little bit of training, a little bit of knowledge, and a little bit of support comes in from people who know the rules because they work with these rules every single day. In the same way as a planning consultant knows planning, the same way as an accountant knows tax, SaaS experts, you know, and I, for the purposes of this conversation, let's count me as one, um, you know, we act as guides, as consultants, as, as aides to help people both establish their eligibility, create a strategy and help them execute the, the use of the money to keep them as safe as possible, but to maximize their enjoyment People yeah. enjoying pensions, George. Can you believe that? Yeah. Um, and maximize the return. Mm-hmm. Now, if you maximize the return, and this is key, if you maximize the return by your own involvement and creativity, then you're building a bigger pension for the future and you're building a bigger legacy beyond that. Mm-hmm. So the power is enormous. And we've got so many testimonials and case studies for people who themselves experience it. It's not because I say so. Um you know, I've got a SAS myself and have used it very well. And I'm a qualified IFA. So technically, as an IFA, I could choose any pension in, in the whole of the UK. I choose SAS. Why? Because it serves my needs to be in control, to allow me to do what I want to do. And I can control my costs as well. Because uh, yeah. a lot of people think, oh, this must be an expensive vehicle, but it doesn't have to be expensive yeah. at all. Because guess who's doing all the work? Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> so if you're comfortable with yourself and you're comfortable with your intention and you put a bit of rules and due diligence in play, a SAS can be a very powerful vehicle and more powerful yeah. than, than a SIP. In, in my experience with property, and you can do anything in a SAS that a SIP can do, but not the other way around. Definitely. And one thing I think to point out, which is quite important, is not all SAS allow property. So you have to choose very carefully. Not all SASs are the same. Mm. They will all allow property. They may not allow certain types of property. Yeah. So 
the skill and due diligence in choosing the right support, mm. the right administrator, because all you're the trustee, but you know there's somebody who's required to be an administrator to deal with HMRC, to file a tax return for the pension scheme, to manage a bank account and keep it separate from your life so that you don't get your personal life and your, and your pension life mixed up because they have to be separate for the tax relief. Yeah. So as you've got an administrator, different administrators will have different preferences. Mm. But our skill as an independent guide is to say, well, now we know what you want. The right trustee at the lowest possible cost to make that work for you is this. Yeah. Uh, so, so we know all of the trustees who are SAS trustees, and, and you know we know their strengths, their weaknesses, their costs, and so on. So, yeah. so we're able to help people with that. Okay. And what about? So, let's say you have a, a family. So, what's the advantage of a SIP versus a SAS? If you, if you know, if you're married, you've got two kids. Um, what, would, what would you say? Well, as I said earlier on, a SIP is a one-person vehicle. Generally speaking, a SIP is, you know, a self-invested personal pension for one. So if you have a family, you you know, say it's husband and wife as an example, then and they both got pensions, they've got two SIPs. So they're driving two vehicles. Yeah. Whereas a SAS, it can have up to eleven people. Mm. So that's a medium-sized business or a very large family, George. You know, it's a yeah. reasonable yeah. number of people. Okay, up to eleven. So you don't have to go for eleven. Uh, our typical is between two and three. Yeah. Um, husband and wife, very common. Uh, business partners, partners, mm-hmm. twos and threes, sometimes threes and fours. Yeah, uh, we've got some in the sevens and eights, and a couple in the nines and tens. But, but generally speaking, it's a two to three person collaboration, which then brings more money. Mm-hmm. If you've got more money, you've got more power. You can do bigger and better deals. You've got more leverage because you can also get a bank loan of up to fifty percent of the value of the pension. So the bigger the pension. Yep the bigger the bank loan, to help you get even more leverage. So yeah. um, it's just a very powerful way to collaborate with the, making the pot bigger, but uh, taking you're basically going in the same direction. And often spouses, well, generally speaking, I think they do. Uh, <laughs> and business owners, generally speaking, you know, they want to do similar things. So as long as everybody agrees this is the track we're running on, this is what we're trying to achieve, yeah. uh, it's a much more powerful tool to do and achieve those objectives than a SIP could be. Mm, yeah, no, sounds good. Um, so um, if someone says, oh, you know, I'm, I'm just single, I'm on my own, got no children, no well, no wife, is there no point in me having a SAS? What would you say to those people? Well, you know, the when you think about the vehicle, you're trying to get the best return because you're trying to get the best outcome for your retirement. So if you're single and you don't have a spouse or anybody yet to leave money to remember life is a long-term thing anyway Mm. Um, if you can get higher returns which gives you a higher level of income then you're supporting yourself anyway now i'm not saying that being single or having a family is a reason to do one or the other in the end it's about where you want to take uh your journey you know what you want to do so being single with lots of soul what we call solo sasses, people on their own running their sasses, but they can collaborate with somebody else anyway, you know. So they see a project and they've got a friend who, uh, you know, property people are very well connected, generally speaking. There's a huge community of property people, you know, who connect for all sorts of reasons. Mm-hmm. You've got a project, you're looking at a project, it's got more, it needs more money than you've got. You could collaborate with someone else. 
And it's easier to do that in a SaaS because you're the person who's helping the collaboration. If you had two SIPs trying to do it, somebody has to be in control. Whereas with SaaSes, you can you can both agree. So yeah. there's a lot of collaboration in SaaS, less so in SIP for sure. Mm. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> um, okay. Um, what about in terms of what's the difference between maximum contributions you can put into a SIP or a SaaS? That's a good question, George. Um, and it's not often understood, this one. So a SIP is a personal vehicle. So if you imagine it's somebody, you know, with a job, for example, um, so not eligible for SaaS, their contributions are going to be limited to their income or 40 grand, yep. whichever is the lower. Mm-hmm. With a limited company, you know, where you need to have a limited company to create the SaaS, then the contribution level is 40,000, whatever your salary level. Mm-hmm. And it's very normal for business owners to pay themselves lower salaries and kind of choose dividends as a, as a method of payment, uh, which are not pensionable, but you can still use 40,000 as a corporate contribution, even if you're only paying yourself 10,000, 12,000 a year and the rest is dividends. And in exceptional cases for larger businesses, you know, where they've got several members, you can pay up to a half a million quid in one go. Mm. Um, you know, so there, there are substantial differences in terms of the method of calculation, but in the end, 40,000 a year is kind of like, it's just part of the rules of the game, you know, so the, it's a bit like the, the rules of the game in football would be the FA, the rules of the game in rugby would be the RFA. So they create the rules and this is HMRC creating the rules saying all pensions is a maximum of 40,000 a year. Um, unless by exception, and SASs have some exceptions. And, and same as like the maximum you can hold in your SAS uh, or pension, any pension, before tax gets a little of a complexity, uh, it's called the lifetime allowance, how much can you hold in your lifetime in a pension, yeah. is a shade over a million pounds per person. And, and certainly our objective is to help all of our clients get to a million pounds each yeah. in, their, in their SAS pensions, and that's mm-hmm. per person. Um, and that's a very powerful thing to be able to use um, different ways of getting a return to help build the pension pot of other people. So that helps uh, with tax planning later on. You know, so if yeah. you've got somebody who's got a pension now and it's 20000 a year and the wife didn't have any or the, the husband didn't have any, depending on, on who didn't have yeah. a pension, you're only using one tax allowance. Yeah. Whereas if with the SAS, you can, you can add family members and any children over 18, so you can start to build pots of money for mm-hmm. your family, which means you've got more personal tax allowances, and then you've got more scope to reduce your lifetime allowance problem. That's a nice problem to have, by the way, a lifetime yeah. allowance problem. <laughs> but nonetheless, only a SAS allows you the flexibility to create strategies to mitigate or reduce the impact of the lifetime allowance. So for those with bigger pensions definitely a SAS is much more likely to have a lifetime allowance gain than a SIP where you don't have any choice. The money has to go back into the SIP. The SAS member I mentioned earlier on, you can take a loan. So you can make a loan of 50% lend it to the company. Yeah. It means you're getting access to the money to help the business. Mm. You you can't do that in a SIP. So if you've got a property business and a SIP, your SIP can never lend you money to do a project. Whereas the SAS can. Yeah. 
up to 50%, you know, no more than 50%, but so again, bigger the pot, bigger the loan. Yeah, that's so, definitely a major advantage of the SaaS, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We covered quite quite a bit of ground here, George. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I have I have I have my SaaS with wealth builders, mm-hmm. um, and uh, you know, in terms of my selection, uh, just thought I'd tell everyone why why I chose them, mm-hmm. uh, and it's because you know what I did was I polled my entire network of friends, and I said of property friends, and I said, do you have a SIP or a SaaS? If so, who did you go with? Did you, why did you choose them? And um, it, ca- it came very, very consistent um, coming back that wealth builders provided the most support. So although, um, you know, when we talk about value, good mm. value for money, not yeah. the cheapest, where there's less value, um, that, that we're, they were all impressed with the amount of support. So, um, and, you know, I've, I've received great service from from uh, wealth builders. Yeah, I mean, it's good to know. Thank you for that. I didn't know you'd done that actually, but that's probably quite wise. Always shop around and see who you resonate with. But you know, the, there's kind of three aspects to to that support. I would say would be really interesting just to pick that up. One, one is education. You've got to know what you're doing in all aspects of wealth building, and so knowing the uh, enough of the rules, not to be an expert, but enough of the rules to know. Um, what your legal responsibilities are, you know, what you can and can't do in broad terms, right? So mm-hmm. you, you need to know yeah. where where the where the road, kind of the edges of the road are, and that's that's important. So you know, we provide that both online and offline support in in SAS in in the fact that property people tend to be they're reacting to opportunities all the time, so they need to be able to tap into that support when they need it. Not with, you know, like once a year have a conversation, but whenever you want to have a conversation because you've got an opportunity. Yep. So so we engage now in um, proactive support. And, and for some of our clients, we do that every single month or every couple of months or every quarter, whatever they need. But it's as proactive as, as they need it. And the third is the community, you know, so the connection to people who've done whatever it is you want to do. Well, I'm thinking about doing a commercial to residential conversion, but I've never done that before. Mm. Who's done that that I could go talk to and then see what they did, learn their lessons and ask appropriate questions. And then we do that. So we've got such a large community now and we pride ourselves on the sharing nature of that community that really helps people you know, hence, you know, we've also now got the SAS Alliance, which is some 4,000 people now, you know, huge community now, yep. all sharing and showing um, unselfishly what it is they're doing, not not to brag, not to boast, not to to gloat in any way, shape or form, but to say, hey, I'm so blown away by how powerful this vehicle is. Yep. I've done this and you might want to learn how to do this too, because mm-hmm. this has made an incredible difference to my wealth or my legacy or whatever it is. Yeah. In fact, so so powerful that is that um, at least two of my clients have written books about it, mm. you know, just specifically yeah. about SaaS. And, um, you know, that's unusual for your clients to write books about the very service that's that's being provided because it's made an incredible difference to their life. Mm. And, and it's genuinely transformational in my experience SAS is a transformational journey the SIP is kind of restricted and a personal pension is you don't know anything you you could be in there for 40 years 40 years later you still don't know anything you're still thinking 
how the heck did that happen? A stock market crash hit me just at the very time I was retiring. <laughs> how did that happen? It's because you weren't paying attention and you just delegated your money to a third party and hoped for the best. Yeah. Not a good wealth building strategy. No, no. Um, so do you have any any last last tips on people ch- still trying to decide, should I get the SIP or should I get the SAS? Both are equally you know, valid in certain conditions. And I would say, you know, um, Talk to somebody who doesn't have an axe to grind either way. So, you know, we don't. Um, so if, you, if SIP's right for you, we'll suggest that. If SAS is right for you, we'll suggest that. We also have a cost-benefit calculator. So, you know, plug in the cost of the SIP, the cost of the SAS, what you want to do, whether you can do it, and then do a comparable, and it will make it very clear and plain what you should and shouldn't do. So get a little bit of help and guidance to make your choice. Otherwise, what I find people do is they sit on the fence mm. and go, I don't know. Sip, sass, don't know. And then because they don't know, they don't do either. Um, and I would say, you know, at the very least, get a sip to drastically cut your costs, but then you've got to choose a sip that will allow you to do that. Um, mm. And then get a sass later when you've got a little bit more of a clue. And uh, from, from our perspective, if we have people do SIPs and then they go on to do SASs, we don't double charge them. So whatever they pay to do the SIP is contributed towards them doing a SAS. So, so to me, I'm agnostic as a, as a commercial, as an owner of a commercial enterprise. You know, we'll help people either way. Yeah. So I would just encourage people to have a conversation. Uh, download the, the free ebook, no problem but just encourage uh, them to give us a call or, or to say, yeah, book a call because then we can go through that and they can be, they can talk to five, 10 people who's, who've gone through it and had the SIPSAS because they might not do a poll like you, George, because they may not <laughs> have a community, but they could talk to people and say, well, why did you choose this? And why did you choose that? And then see how it applies to them. Yeah. Um, there's no sales tactics here. We know SAS is a long-term journey. And we're happy if people take their time to get accustomed to what that could mean for them and whether a SIP is right or a SAS is right or stay exactly where you are is right. You know, we'll, we'll be clear enough to give that, that guidance and where needed, the professional advice if that's called for. Great, great. Um, so thanks thanks so much for coming on the show, Kevin, and answering that very, very common question. Um, mm. So if you all enjoyed this episode and got something out of it, please subscribe, please share it with a friend, please download the ebook, um, and uh, we'll see you all next week. <laughs>